Yoo-hoo. Hello? Hello, is this thing on? Hello? Welcome to Rapid Real Estate Radio. Prepare to be entertained and educated by expert interviews, real-life anecdotes, and pro tips. All designed to help you get started making money in real estate as fast as possible. Your host is a real estate investor, licensed broker, and coach who has helped thousands of new investors complete their first deal. Here's Gavin McCaleb. Well, welcome back, America, to another episode of Rapid Real Estate Radio. It's your friend Gavin. Welcome. Hey, today we're going to talk about negotiation. I'm going to give you some tips that have proven effective in my career and that I think will help you as well. And so I do reserve the right to address this topic again later in other formats, maybe even integrated into other topics. It's one of those things where you can kind of lay it as a foundation and uh, revisit it and fine-tune it as you go. And so the cornerstone of my discussion of negotiation is this key principle that I tell new investors. I say, don't plan on finding deals. Plan on creating them. You guys can write that down on a meme if you want and send it out. You can put it on a t-shirt if you need to. But I think the point is this. Everybody says, how do I find deals? I got to go find deals. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you got to find leads. But really, you create the deal based on the conversation between you and the seller and whatever you can negotiate. So if, if something at face value does not appear to be a deal, you don't close the door and say, ah, shucks, this is difficult. I don't have a deal. You say, okay, if the, if the circumstances don't match right now, what could change to make this a deal? The price, the timing, the condition, the terms. So again, you're not going to just stumble upon a perfect deal most of the time. They're not just going to prepackage and hand you the most profitable situation possible. You got to go in and massage the details in order to sometimes make it work. And heck, I mean, depending on what your stance is, you could massage the seller a little bit. It's up to you. I don't judge anyone in these conversations. So let me give a little background about how I came to the topic of negotiation, how I've approached it. So I started by reading some books. Um, A couple of these are pretty common. They've been out there for a long time. Maybe you've come across them. Uh, The Secrets of Power Negotiating with Roger Dawson. Um, I think I had it on audiobook as well. I I know I have a paper copy around here somewhere. Um, The Negotiating Game by Chester Karras. In fact, he's the Karras Institute has an entire curriculum about negotiating. And a lot of this content, to me, it feels like it's more corporate-oriented, like a corporate takeover or a... uh, almost like a committee. It's hard to, it's been a while, as you can tell. But like a, uh, even like even an employment negotiation where I'm trying to get a job. None of those things are really relevant to exactly what I'm doing. But a lot of the core principles of negotiating, which is to say the psychology behind it, where there's a person on one end who needs to have satisfaction and there's a person on my end, of course me, I'd I'd like to have a, a little satisfaction if you don't mind. And so, Um, In order to adapt some of those key principles of negotiating to real estate, I've kind of really zeroed in on the ones that are relevant and appropriate. And that's, of course, what we're going to cover here in this episode. And so I'm not negating whatever is in those books. If you want to go out and read, you know, generic negotiating tactics, by all means, I think there's value there. I think you can pull out core principles. Please do. I'm just saying that in real estate, the negotiation are a little bit more... 
maybe a little more streamlined. Sometimes they take place at a little narrower time frame. Maybe you get one chance to make your offer, and you've got to make it a good offer because somebody else is going to make another offer, and you're going to compete. You know, that's that's one of the things we'll talk about in, in the negotiation strategy. So remember, the core here is in negotiation. The, the human part of it, the psychology of it, is each person wants to have a, a, an acceptable outcome, of course, and I think they each want to have some feeling of satisfaction. If you can accomplish both of those, then you're well on your way to success. If, if the other person absolutely hates your guts and they have literally any other alternative, then they may take the other alternative just to spite you. So remember the psychology, the human aspect of it is I want them to feel uh, like they got an acceptable outcome and I want them to have a sense of satisfaction, that they feel glad and, and, and well satisfied that they uh, received whatever they were looking for in the negotiation. So here are the tips, a few tips. One is the fact that lots of things are negotiable. I don't know if that's a tip or just a painting something obvious on the wall. But you, we always talk about what you know. What's the best price? Negotiate the price. How much are they asking? How much are you offering? Yeah, price is part of it. You bet. Absolutely. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna discount the value of price. Nor am I gonna necessarily, you know, overlook the subtle pun that I just made. You guys can rewind it and enjoy it if you like. But the reality of it is, there's lots of different factors in a real estate deal that can be negotiated. There's the closing date. The shorter the close means the faster they're going to get their money means that may be more valuable than waiting longer to get more money. So closing date, the deposit amount, the more you're willing to put down at risk, maybe makes you a more solid potential buyer. So if they're choosing between three or four potential buyers and you make the largest deposit, you might be the more stable alternative, the one that they are more likely to uh, follow through on the deal. So, so deposit amount, the inspection time frame, and or is there even an inspection? So if you waive the inspection, that lets them know that there's one less chance that you're going to back out of the deal. If everybody else is waiting for an inspection time frame and you say, skip it, I'm cool, they're going to be like, heck yeah, you are. You're about the coolest fellow I've ever seen up in these parts. You know, I don't know where it is that you're doing your business. It sounds like uh, maybe somewhere in Oklahoma at this point. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what accent that was. But you understand. If, uh, if you can waive the inspection, that makes your offer more uh, aggressive. Or if you do need an inspection, I'm not saying to throw caution to the wind. I'm just saying that if you can do your inspection in five days and the other guy's asking for 10, that's still less of a risk. So that's a, that's a negotiating point. Uh, the other one is repairs or conversely, the condition of the home. If there's a ton of repairs, there's typically a lot more room for negotiation. A lot more room to either have them give a credit, have them do some repairs before you take ownership, or of course, uh, you can use the repair conversation as a gateway to a price conversation. Um, the last thing is, it may, it may not be critical to the structure of the deal, but maybe just as an added bonus. A lot of times if you see stuff around the house, furnishings, um, equipment, you know anything that's either in the garage or in the backyard or some, something that's semi-affixed, a lot of times I'll see like exercise equipment that maybe hasn't been used for a while and it's heavy and difficult to move. And so I'll just take it off their hands and if you know if I can pass it off on Craigslist or, or give it to someone else as a gift, I mean I, that, that's there's some value 
to those things as well. So appliances, equipment, anything that's on the premises is negotiable. So keep that in mind. So again, the bottom line is ultimately this is all going to structure the total deal. And yeah, the total amount that you pay for the deal will determine your profitability. I get that. But what I'm suggesting is each one of these items is like a like a leverage point. And so if you can give a comparable or even slightly less price, but you can have no contingencies and close quickly, that's a, that's a more desirable offer in many cases than a higher offer from a, from a wishy-washy person who's not giving a deposit or a very small risk deposit for them. And maybe they need a lot of extra time to review it. To me, those are red flags. And so again, I'm, I'm using these as leverage points to structure an offer that I think will potentially beat the uh, competition. Now, speaking of which, that's the second point I wanted to make. You need to be aware of your true position in the market. So if you're a buyer and you're going after a certain property, are there other buyers? Are there 10 other people making an offer today? If so, I've got to really carefully craft my offer to be competitive. Also, that's got to be within the bounds of what works for me. I can't, again, win the deal by spending so much that I, I win, but I also lose because I don't make any money on the profitability. So it's helpful for you to be aware. I remember you know, a lot of times when a home comes on the market that is a, a, a fixer-upper, a handyman special, so to speak, a lot of times when they come on the market, everybody's looking for those deals. And so they all go out and look at them the first day. In fact, I've been out to properties that it's literally like a parade of investors. Like I'll go in, I'll walk through, I'll see somebody that I recognize or that I know. Hey, how are you doing? As I go through each of the rooms, there's people coming in, there's people going out. And then, and you can just kind of tell that that's going to be a bidding war. And that's fine. You got to be in the game to win the game. It's just that if I, the more people that I know are involved in this conversation, the more I know what my position is. I'm not going to drive a hard bargain. I'm not going to make an offer lower than asking price if I can make the deal work and if I know there's competition. Now, you can even reverse that because negotiating is coming and going. So if I'm selling a property and I've got a bunch of people who are offering to buy my property, well, then I can pick and choose. I can choose the best offer that meets my needs. Whereas if there's no competition, if that's not a point of pain or leverage for the other party, then then you lose that aspect. So for instance, if I'm selling and it's been on the market for a long time and nobody's made an offer and somebody shows up and they're like, have you had any offers? And you say no, well, you prepare to get negotiated, right? They're going to they're gonna maybe beat you up on price a little bit or maybe they're going to ask for contributions to their closing. Maybe they're going to ask for... Uh, you know, a beautiful seascape mural painted on the walls and ceilings of a certain room. I, I don't know what it is that they're going to do in there, but that's just one of the things they might ask for. So be aware of that. And the other thing is, you know, the other person's circumstances, their other situation, whatever you can find out about them, that ends up being helpful in structuring the offer that meets their needs. Remember, part of negotiating is, can I make it acceptable to both parties and can I make them feel satisfied? So time is, is sometimes a big issue, especially you know this time of year. At the time of this recording, it's August, and a lot of people are getting ready to go back to school. If you have children, or I guess even if you're in college or, or even advanced education at any age, the reality of it is in most places, the school year starts towards the end of summer. And so people who need to sell so they can move to another place for their school to start, 
people who need to buy so they can move in time to be settled in order for school to start. August is a, is a great time for negotiating because anything that's still left on the market at that point is the, the seller realizes that the, the demand for that property is about to go down significantly, meaning that after school starts, a lot of times families are just pulling themselves out of the buying market and they're going to wait until next spring. So again, the seller situation, or I guess the, whether it's the seller or the buyer, the person opposite you, what are their motivators? Time? Um, you know, is it, is it this particular property has certain benefits that they, they need that are not available in other properties? Those types of things. If you can identify one or two of the things that are most important, uh, it, it, for most of this I'm discussing the, in terms of I'm an investor, I'm buying properties, and I'm mostly negotiating with sellers. I think that's probably where most of my negotiating comes anyway. And that's why I'm using that as the frame of reference. So when I know what does the seller need, especially in a distressed situation, do they need a little cash? Do they need to get out of here next week? If, if they will share with me their most pressing thing and I can deliver it to them, the price ends up being slightly secondary. So again, I, it always comes back to price and I acknowledge that and I don't want to diminish that. But at the same time, the whole idea here is that if I can give them what they want the most then and enough money for satisfaction, I can sometimes discount the price a little. So another point that I'd like to make, I guess another pro tip, is about the relationship. What's the relationship between you and the other party? So in negotiations in real estate, of course, we've both mostly been talking about the purchase of a, of a real estate uh, property, right? A, 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 real, a piece of real property. Well, there's more than just that. that it can be negotiated. You can negotiate with contractors. You can negotiate with realtors. You can negotiate with uh, private funding. I mean, all those are points of negotiation. And that's where this last tip really takes the forefront, which is what is the relationship you're trying to build? So if there's a seller of a property, yes, I want them to be satisfied. I want them to get what they need. I want them to be Glad that they, that we did business together, but I may not never see them again. And so for me to to, to gently and yet thoroughly rake them over the coals, <laughs> you know, of course I'm I'm being mostly facetious. I don't I don't really rake anybody, but I do make an offer that makes sense for me, and I'm not going to see that person again. So again, I, I want them to go out feeling satisfied. But if I got to squeeze a little, it's okay. Whereas with a contractor. If I'm going to need this guy to do work on this property, but I'm also going to call him in a few months to do the next property, it doesn't make sense for me to squeeze every last dollar of joy out of his budget. Does that make sense? So you may look at his bid and say, well, it looks like it's a little padded. Maybe it is, but maybe the relationship is is worth more. Maybe I'm glad to pay him a little more to keep him busy, to keep him coming back. When I give him a call in the future, he takes my call. When I schedule him for future work, he prioritizes me. There's, there's lots of non-monetary issues here that go into the relationship negotiations. So same with a funding partner. Could I borrow somebody's money at 8% and have them agree to it? Yeah, probably. I mean, I've certainly done it in the past, and I'm sure I could do it again. But what if I offered that same guy 12%, but I didn't have to? Well, did I? is it true that I didn't negotiate very well? I, I don't know. If, if I call that guy next week and I borrow money again on a different project and he Again, he takes my call first. He, he shows up right away to review the property. He sends the, he wires the money right away. 
those are all outcomes of a successful negotiation. We're doing business together on an ongoing basis. So I, I'd encourage you to keep in mind that I, I have come across folks otherwise friendly and, you know, basically calm demeanor folks who, for whatever reason, when they get into a negotiation, it becomes a, a, a win-lose competition. And they'll negotiate every last dollar out of every last conversation. And these are friends of mine that I and I watch sometimes. Every every now and again, you know how friends sell stuff to each other. You know, I got to move, so I'm going to sell this uh, bookshelf or whatever. And so this this you know particular friend, maybe you know, you go to their house and you'll say, well, oh, you're gonna you're gonna sell that bookshelf? Cool. Yeah, you know, I'll offer you twenty bucks. And he's like, oh no, I, I spent 150 bucks on it. I got to get 100 bucks out of it. And then I would say, well, you know, 20 bucks for a used bookshelf is about right. He says, "No, if if I can't get a hundred bucks, I'm just gonna give it away to the to the Salvation Army." And so, to me, that's a relationship issue. You, you're you're essentially you'd, you'd rather get nothing out of it than have me not only enjoy this nice bookshelf, but I'm giving you twenty dollars in cash. And so, hey, if if you want to win the negotiation, you can. You may damage the relationship. So just be aware. Ask yourself that question: Is this a one-time negotiation? Is this an ongoing relationship? Whichever one it is. Adjust accordingly. If you got to give a little more in actual dollars to get some of the intangibles, I think you still win that negotiation. So again, when I think of winning, I think of both parties are satisfied. Both parties come away thinking, hey, that was good. I'd like to do that again. Not, oh boy, I hope I never see that person again. If people come away from you with that response, you might consider checking yourself before you wreck yourself. That's what the kids are saying these days. Or some of the adults as well. I've heard that a few times. You know, the other the other point that kind of dovetails with that is this question of ultimately what makes sense. So we talk about is it relationship-based, is it one time? But at the end of the day, ultimately the question is what makes sense right now with this situation? And, I, and I'm going to kind of pull this around to the end summary, which is the walk-away point. So you're negotiating, you're trying to get the best outcome. I mean, ultimately the best price, I get it. And once all the, the deals have been the details have been settled, then the, now you get a chance to look at the whole package deal and you look at it from top to bottom and you kind of let it sink in. And now the question is, do I want to do it yes or no? So before it was what price, what date, what time are you showing up to do the work? What color are we painting the house? You know that's of course that's a negotiation between you and your wife, which again, pro tip, just whatever she wants, right? And so after you negotiate all the details and it's all done, then before you actually execute it, you sit down and you say, is this satisfying? It's a yes or a no. And you still have the, the ability to say, sorry, it doesn't work. I'm sorry. We both came at this with good faith, meaning we both had the intention to do the deal. Ultimately, it doesn't feel satisfying. I can't do it. So so your no at that point needs to be in the context of, of really being okay walking away. Because if you say no... They could always say, I, I understand. Thank you for playing. Uh, good luck to you in the future. And I'm going to go and sell it to somebody else. Or if you say no, you could then maybe open up one final round of negotiations, maybe get the price down a little bit more. But you don't do that as a bluff that you're not willing to call. So again, you look at the final numbers. You say, am I satisfied? If yes, go ahead. If no... Say, I'm sorry, I can't do this. No. Shake their hand. See you later. Start walking out the door. 
Put your jacket on. Start to button it up. You know, put your put your peanut butter sandwich back in your lunch pail. I don't know exactly where this negotiation is taking place. You know, tie your shoes. Get up. You start going for the door. You turn back. Look over your shoulder one last time. You know, one single tear. Goodbye. There's no there's no guarantee that they're gonna, you know. Um, come back and say, hey, 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 I have to sell it to you. I'm going to renegotiate the whole thing. That's not a guarantee. Your walk away is literally you're walking away. If it comes back for an open discussion later on, great. That's a bonus. That's not the default. That's not the expectation. So remember, the walk away, I also call that the deal breaker. If I just can't make the deal work, it's not a deal. And so I don't beat myself up over it. I don't lament unnecessarily. I just say, hey, we did our, we did our best. Whatever I'm offering doesn't meet your needs, it's a deal breaker. So I'd also like to point out, you know, as an aside, separate from real estate, that there's lots of things that are negotiable. I mean, sometimes if you're at the store and you're, you're purchasing the floor model instead of the one in the box, hey, this one's out on the floor. Could I get in a little discount on it? Look, if you're willing to buy the TV anyway, what's the harm in asking? If they knock off 10%, you get a bonus. If you're only doing this to practice negotiating, then you also didn't lose anything. So I think that's a valuable take-home message that whenever you're out there negotiating, you know, keep in mind what is my walk-away situation? What's my deal-breaker point? And as long as I know that I can walk away from a deal at any point and I don't feel like just absolutely devastated that I didn't get whatever the item was, then that, still, that gives me the upper hand. That gives me the power in the negotiation. So I'm going to end this with a little thought that comes from a film. I don't know if it's motivational or not, but I think it's strategic. It came from the 1995 movie Heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. And at one point, uh, De Niro's character says, don't let yourself get attached to anything you're not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. And so, of course, I'm applying this strictly to business aspects. Don't get yourself embroiled in anything that you absolutely can't walk away from because guess what? That's when you start paying too much. That's when you start losing money on projects or properties. If you want to apply that to your personal, interpersonal relationships, that's up to you. You didn't hear from me. I'm not encouraging that. I think you should become deeply entrenched in your community and your family relationships. But as it relates specifically to business, I think it's crucial. I think the ability to say, yes, this is a good deal and I'd like to do it. And if I don't get it, no sweat. I'll get the next one. That that attitude and that perspective will absolutely pay you dividends in peace of mind as well as you'll get good deals and you won't have bad deals, I hope. No guarantees. You know, I always have my disclaimer. So good luck to you. Hopefully this is uh, helpful and beneficial. You guys, if you want to learn more about how to get started in real estate investing, you can hop over to rapidrealestateradio.com. I do have a link there where you can Learn a little bit more about how you can get started in real estate. I do believe that the system that we use does help people get started as fast as possible. And of course, listen, you know here I'm a broker in Southwest Idaho. If you guys have any need for that, if you guys are buying or selling a property or you're relocating here into uh, one of the areas that has the highest quality of living in the nation, please let me know. I'd be glad to help. Uh, again, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Rapid Real Estate Radio. Please remember to subscribe and tell your friends. Have a burning real estate question you need an answer to? 
Visit RapidRealEstateRadio.com to submit your question and to find out how you can get your rapid start in real estate.